Welcome to Bluegrass Stories with Katie Daly and me. I'm Howard Parker. Pinecone, the Piedmont Council of Traditional Music Incorporated, is dedicated to preserving, presenting, and promoting all forms of traditional music, dance, and other folk performing arts. Pinecone is the largest and most active traditional music organization in North Carolina, measured by people served, budget size, and total number of programs presented. Katie spoke with Pinecone's executive director, David Brower, on ways that Pinecone is working to accomplish its mission during the pandemic and in better times to come. Well, we're right here in the middle of April and smack dab in the pan uh, with this horrible uh, pandemic going on, uh, which is wreaking havoc with the entire world, and especially, it seems, for our friends, the entertainers and the venues and all that. Uh, what is what is Pinecone doing to help with that? Well, we're we're doing our best to stay strong and and be here for when we're able to get back together and um, gather around the great music that we we hold so dear to our hearts. You know, as you mentioned in your introduction, Pinecone is, is here to preserve the music that we love. We, we believe that there is strength and power that comes um, when people gather together to experience music uh, in a communal fashion, whether you're simply sitting at a concert or whether you're sitting knee to knee with a, a good friend like you, Katie Daly, and, and playing some uh, nice old time fiddle tunes. Uh, when we gather together, that's really what enriches um, the soul and enriches the spirit. And so, uh, we are really looking forward to the time when we can get back to it. And and right now, what we're doing is we're hunkering down and are trying to make sure that we're fiscally sound and able to uh, get right back to it and put musicians to work and can you know resume our our mission, which is to connect audiences with um, with music. Mm-hmm. Well, you were named the executive director last October. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background so that we uh, can know how you fit into that job perfectly. Sure. Well, that's, that's very flattering to hear you say that because I've, I've long admired your uh, connection to bluegrass and traditional music so, um, and to radio as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, I, I come from a career in public radio. For the past 30-some-odd years, I've been working in public radio in uh, first in Asheville, North Carolina, then out in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and then I came home to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where um, I served as uh, an announcer, a host, a reporter, and finally program director at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. These are all NPR news stations. So, Katie, you and I share that in common, being um, NPR station uh, veterans. So I, so well, I've let's, been working... Above board, let's go. tell everybody we worked together on a project at IBMA where we did a... Uh, live show out of WUNC in your studios in the Science Museum, which we could then uh, broadcast along with WAMU, which was a, that was a fun project. And what a great night that was. I mean, where else do you get um, bluegrass bands amidst dinosaur bones other than the, the North Carolina <laughs> Museum of, of Natural History in downtown Raleigh? It was a really, really right. fun night. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked in public radio for um, a long, long time. But, um, you know, full disclosure, it was music that got me into radio and music that connected me to, in, in particular to, you know, a career in radio news because I was interested in stories. I was interested in listening to stories and I was interested in 
in empowering people to tell their own stories. And um, I did that through professionally through radio, but really how I was taught that that was an important part of our society was by listening to, you know, traditional and, and contemporary folk music. Um, one mm-hmm. of the first projects I did in radio was a documentary work uh, about Woody Guthrie. When I was out west in New Mexico, I met a whole bunch of his um, a family from out in Pampa, Texas, and it started, you know, teaching me more about how important it is to document our own stories. Um, I was doing it in radio. Musicians, of course, have been doing it for centuries uh, with their songs, and um, and I wanted to be a part of that. You know, I've, I've always loved music. Um, Katie, you and I have talked um, a lot over the years. I've loved traditional music. I grew up here in North Carolina, so, um, you know, uh, Doc Watson is the stuff of legends around here, and, and he, he and others really introduced me to um, a world of music that's been enriching my life ever since. So did you come from a musical family? How about your parents? Did they encourage your interest in music? Um, they definitely encouraged my interest in music. They, they did play music themselves. Um, I think I was... Um, I, I was uh, alone in that uh, respect, although my sister actually, she played violin, and she was a, a superstar um, violinist as a, as a young kid, but she moved on to dance. My parents both loved music. They were great listeners, and that is definitely what got me into listening. Uh, my dad, however, um, did play music when he was yo- a young man, but um, proudly confesses that he took up the, the string bass because that meant he wouldn't have to take it home to practice. So, you know, he played music when you had to, and that that was that was uh, how they did it back in the day. But no, no, I was um, I started playing music on my own, um, you know, in high school, like like a lot of folks did. But um, uh, my brother certainly um, and I listened to a lot, a lot of music, all different kinds of music in, in our basement in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, growing up there. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of North Carolina, what is it about them? I mean, do banjo players grow on trees, or uh, what is it that that really has uh, it thrives down there? And and it seems like the people and the government uh, and and the charitable organizations and venues really all do support uh, traditional music. How did this come about? Because the other areas of the country would love to know how to do that. You know, that's a great question, and I, I, don't, I think it took uh, quite a number of years, and maybe it took me going away, leaving North Carolina for a little while to live and work elsewhere before I, I realized just how special I had it. Because, you know, growing up, um, every 4th of July um, in the big uh, uh, hometown fireworks display, Mike Cross would play. And Mike Cross is a, you know, used to record for Sugar Hill Records and a songwriter and fiddle player and, and a really fine traditional player. But he would play every single 4th of July. And the Red Clay Ramblers, you know, would play our school assembly. Um, and so music really was everywhere. Music is also, it's, I mean, it's still that way too with traditional bluegrass music. When I first moved back to North Carolina, one of the most striking things, um, riding my, you know, bike and exploring the UNC Chapel Hill campus, it was football season when you moved back to town. And at all the frat parties around town, there was a bluegrass band at the pig picking. I mean, that, it's like the music that everybody gathers around and enjoys. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to believe that it's because, um, it, you know, it speaks to us as a people. It, speaks, it says something about our place, uh, where we are, um, and it's incredibly accessible. It's something that an awful lot of people 
um, grow up around here playing or at least being um, literate in. Um, and of course, I mean, the musicians too, you, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Banjo players do grow on trees and you, you can't, you know, throw a rock without hitting one and you can't, um, you know, find a town in North Carolina without identifying a, a legendary roots musician that, um, that grew up there. They are really all over and it's, it's really a, a big part of who we are as North Carolinians. Mm-hmm. I went to college my first year at Brevard in the uh, western uh-huh. part of the nice. state. And when I was going there, really the most famous person from Brevard was Moms Mabley. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you remember? Is she, I do. Is, yeah, are you too young for that? Of course, now no, the no, Steve Canyon didn't... Rangers, many of them live there. But uh, everybody in the dorm could play guitar or banjo or, or something. And I never heard the word bluegrass or old time. They, you know, they just called it music. Uh, they didn't categorize it in any way. And they could, a majority of them could square dance because many of the schools they went to were too small to uh, field a football team. But they, many of them had clogging teams. That's right. Yeah. You know, even growing up in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina, we had, um, in elementary school, we had square dances for recess. So, mm-hmm. you know, they would play, I, I, I don't remember the tunes that they would play, but I presume they'd play old time fiddle tunes and would teach traditional um, square dancing as a, as a way of getting kids, you know, up and moving aerobic exercise. And, you know, Katie, you bring up a great point about the accessibility of music. And I think that's, that is one thing that is unique to this part of the country is that, People play just for the love of playing. Um, I think in other um, social circles and other communities, people uh, start learning music as kids with the aspiration of becoming a performer or becoming a professional musician or even be- becoming, you know, a quote-unquote real musician. Um, I think here it's, it's participatory. I mean, like, you know, I, for instance, I do play old-time fiddle, but I kind of describe the kind of old-time fiddle playing I do um, as, you know, other people describe playing cards. You know, you get together with friends, you play cards, and maybe you play um, bridge or poker or, or whatever it is. You're not thinking you're going to go to the World Series of Poker anytime soon. Same, same deal with music. You just get together to play tunes, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a social thing. And I think that that, right. is, that is something that is, um, I don't know if it's unique to here, but it's certainly present here. Well, my aspiration for music has been to be able to play music with other people. And just recently, in the past year, that has come uh, to fruition for me. And it's been a great thrill to have friends where we, as you say, sit knee to knee and and swap tunes. And uh, we don't have to talk at all. It's just uh, a wonderful camaraderie that I get out of the music. So uh, as many years as I programmed it on the radio... I truly, truly have found the love for it now, as, as yeah, to say, Katie, I'm a musician. And, and Katie, I don't know if you felt this way, but I certainly did when I was working in radio. But, um, you know, when you're, you're in radio and you get the privilege of interviewing and kind of getting to know a lot, of, um, a lot of musicians, I know that you've become, you know, really close friends with a lot of really tremendous musicians. Um, it's a little intimidating to get started as an adult because you know people who are incredibly accomplished in the field and you know people who write great songs and can play great songs and you know you're just you're kind of looking for your place and you see them as a model and that that can be hard to that's a hard thing to follow up on um, to to get started on they've been pretty kind pretty pretty generous with their 
you know, suggestions and things. Well, let's talk about pine cone. It, uh, yeah. it says where roots matter, and it is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. And if you're looking for them on online, it's pinecone.org. Tell us about the organization and how many people are, are administrators and, and what all you're involved with. You bet. Well, Pinecone, for me, um, to be quite honest, is, is really a dream job to be able to take over a leadership role in the organization. It's been around for 30-some-odd years. It was founded by a group of friends who got together around a kitchen table back in 1984 and decided that they wanted to see, um, see live music happen and see live traditional um, music from North Carolina happen in their community. So it was you know, a, a fiddle player and a clogger um, sitting around a kitchen table uh, dreaming up uh, what has become a, a thriving small nonprofit organization. We have three full-time staff members. We end up producing more than a, a hundred some odd events um, over wow. the course of the calendar year. Um, there are everything from ticketed formal shows to weekly jam sessions to um, a summer camp a couple of summer camp sessions that we run uh, in nearby Cary. But it's really, you know, we're trying to provide as many opportunities as possible for people to get up close and personal with uh, traditional music, roots music, music that's, uh, that says something about the community where we live. So um, I'm really uh, especially excited about the work that we do to, you know, empower people you know, such as yourself, to do exactly what you were just describing in getting together with friends and, and playing music together. But then we also get, you know, the privilege of presenting music, and we've got this wonderful seven-year partnership with IVMA and the city of Raleigh putting on World of Bluegrass each year. So it's, it's really a, a tremendous opportunity both to have a, a large footprint and a large impact on big crowds like we get with World of Bluegrass, and then also, you know, take pride in the small gatherings that we have where, you know, four, five, six, ten people get together and, you know, blow through some tunes. And, and so how is your organization supported? Uh, is it through membership? Yes, we do have a very active membership. Um, we are, have, have long uh, leaned on community members to uh, contribute or to establish um, uh, annual memberships. We also get um, very generous support from the city of Raleigh. The, the Arts Commission there gives uh, Pinecone an annual operating grant, which um, funds much of our operating expenses. We also get um, operating support from the State Arts Council, um, which is uh, currently head up by Wayne Martin, who's actually one of the founders of Pinecone. So mm -hmm. we, you know, we go deep, and so it's a it's a mixture of public and private support, and then we also do some things that you could. Um, you could call like a fee for services where um, an organization will want to have a bluegrass or traditional music at their gathering or, or in their venue and Pinecone is contracted to, to produce a concert, hire the band, get the sound system in, promote it, um, pull it together in a, a culturally relevant and, and um, economically viable way. And you also uh, support a, the Pinecone Bluegrass Show on Sunday evenings starting at you 6 o'clock. And that's yeah, at 94.7 uh, FM, and, yeah. and people can stream that live all over the world, and I encourage them, really, go to pinecone.org, and you can find out all of this information. You don't have to write it down on the palm of your hand while you're driving the car. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
there's so much that you do with uh, work with the youth and uh, uh, youth programs and jam sessions, and it, it really, I, I'm so jealous uh, that every town doesn't have something like this. Yeah, you know that's that's where I, when I say it's it's a dream job for me, um, it, it you know it really it really is. Um, I loved all the work that I did in public radio. Um, I really kind of never thought I'd want to do anything else. And then when uh, my friend William Lewis uh, decided to step down, he was a former executive director of, of, of Pinecone and really helped build it to the prominent organization that it is right now in the community. When, when he started stepping aside, I started imagining, kind of daydreaming, like, huh, what would it be like to do something other than working for an NPR station? And there's nothing else that I could imagine doing that would be as gratifying. And at this stage of my life, you know, when I'm really, really happy and proud to be doing it. And yeah, you know, Raleigh and the Triangle area of North Carolina is incredibly supportive of um, all kinds of arts. You know, just to give you an example, Katie, what's what's so cool about Pinecone is that we are a resident performing arts center. Or we are, I'm sorry, we are a resident performing arts company at the Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts, which is a, a beautiful venue. It sure is. There are four different theaters in there, but to put it in context and to show how you know how broad um, Raleigh's public support and love for the arts is, is that we're a resident performing arts company along with the North Carolina Symphony, the North Carolina Ballet, the North Carolina Opera Company, the North Carolina Theater Company, and um, Theater Raleigh. So it's like, you know, folks who are doing bluegrass and old time and traditional music are right up there next to um, a really thriving, dynamic state orchestra and opera program. So, you know, the mm -hmm. arts of all kinds are celebrated and supported publicly. I mean, we're, that's also something that shouldn't be forgotten is that, um, you know, real public dollars are going to, to support this music, and it's, it's incredible. I wish it were like that everywhere. It's not. I feel incredibly fortunate to be in a community that, that has that level of public support for, uh, in particular, traditional arts, folk arts. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, outside of your office, you have a seat on the board at IBMA, or... I Can do I not. No, I, 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 no, uh, William, William, my predecessor, was elected to um, uh, the IBMA board. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly partner with uh, Paul and the staff at IBMA on the production of their major event, um, World of Bluegrass, and all of its components, the Ramble, the conference, the award show, and then, of course, IBMA Bluegrass Live, the big festival that happens at Red Hat Amphitheater and on the streets of downtown Raleigh. But no, I do not sit on the board. Um, when I'm, when I'm have the good fortune to be able to, to meet with them, it's always a thrill because, you know, how much better does it get than hanging out with that crowd? So it's, um, <laughs> but no, I'm not a, I'm not a member of the board. Okay. So, uh, in what is coming up that's different at the world of bluegrass, which is in September? Uh, and as I understand it, the plan is here. It is April fourteenth. Plans are still going forward with holding the world of bluegrass. Am I correct? Yes, you're absolutely correct. We are moving forward, certainly cautiously, with um, this pandemic and everybody's concerns about public safety in mind. We are we're moving forward, and there there certainly will be changes to the festival to help uh, keep people safe and perhaps more importantly, keep people comfortable at being out um, in the community and out um, at a shared cultural, um, cultural event 
uh, together. So we really want people to feel safe and feel ready to be back. But we, um, we're feeling very optimistic and are hopeful that we'll be able to be up at full throttle when um, World of Bluegrass comes back to town, um, in part because, you know, we really think that this is going to be a time when people are ready to come out and have a good time and to celebrate the indigenous arts of our community and bluegrass, which has such strong roots in downtown Raleigh, right you know, down the street from where our festival happens. Um, Bill and Charlie Monroe set up shop and, and did a, you know, a show on the regional radio powerhouse, WPTF-AM, way back in the day. And so we're, we're really looking forward to it coming back. This is going to be the second year where we've got a new model for um, the main stage show on, at, at the Red Hat Amphitheater, where um, roughly half of the seats in the venue are free and general admission. Um, tickets are going on sale um, later this summer for the reserve seating. And if it's going to be anything like last year, where it was just jammed to the gills for the Delebration and, um, and Balsam Range and uh, 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 Frank Sullivan and some of the other great bands that played um, last year, it's going to be a sellout, and we're really looking forward to that. But we're also really excited about the idea that so much of the public-facing portion of World of Bluegrass is free and open to the public, and we really think it's a great opportunity to showcase um, this music to a really broad audience. And hopefully and the weather's going to be perfect, Katie, and we're all going to be safe and ready to get out and be together once again. <laughs> I hope so. I really, really yeah. hope so. Where should people, as we draw closer to September, go for updates on uh, the world of bluegrass and what's in store? Do they come to Pinecone, or should they go to ibma.org? You can go other spot. There is a dedicated page for World of Bluegrass. So whether you're coming to the conference or to the Ramble or coming to the festival, which is uh, October um, 2nd and 3rd, um, the festival or the conference starts the the week prior and, you know, has the award show in the middle of it. And then um, we've got the festival at the end of the week. But, yeah, ibma.org is where you're going to be able to, to buy tickets for all of the ticket events. And here's a pro tip. Katie, if you want to make sure that you get first dibs on the good seats, you should either become a member of Pinecone or become a member of IBMA because IBMA members and Pinecone members get first dibs on all of the reserved seating at World ah, and you can't that yeah, and you can't you can't find all of that at IBMA.org or certainly we'll have links there at Pinecone.org as well. Okay, that's good to know. Well, I understand that when you uh, retired from public radio, your friends there gave you a, a <laughs> deering good time banjo. And sure uh, have, have you learned to play it yet? I mean, you've had all of a you few know, weeks. Yeah, right. You know, I'm working on it. I really, I really do want to learn claw hammer. And it was, that was such a, a really wonderful gift. Um, you know, I've worked at WNC at the NPR station here for 20 years and, you know, if you work at a place for a long time, you wonder if um, people really love you there or if they're just tired of you and are ready to, to see you go. And when I unwrapped that gift, I knew that they, they, um, they liked me and that I was leaving with good friends there because, um, Katie, you know, if they didn't like me, surely they would have given me two or three banjos. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got the one, so I know I'm well loved. <laughs> but yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> 
Well, name a song, and I'll work on it before I come to IBMA, and maybe we could sit down and, and play a song together. If you uh, name it, I'll practice it. Oh, I love it. Well, Katie, how about either, um, I mean, I'd love to play fiddle with you as well. How about either um, uh, Fly Around or, let's say, Boatman? Okay. I you play out of those, but they're, they're good tunes. I'm good with that. Hey, thank you so much, David, for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, good luck in all that we do uh, for the music and for the musicians and helping us get through this rough time of this pandemic, and, uh, and I hope to see you in better times in Raleigh, specifically for the world of bluegrass. Okay, I can't wait, and I'm so looking forward to seeing you and, and um, all of your, your great friends at IBMA um, in at the end of September and October in downtown Raleigh, because we're really anxious to get back together again and are ready to put on a good show. And Katie, I should say, thanks for all the great years of listening. I love listening to Bluegrass Stories. You've told some um, great stories and are doing such a great service to the world of Bluegrass to preserve these stories. So thanks for what you do. Well, thank you. I will talk to you soon. You've been listening to David Brower. Executive Director of Pinecone, talking with Katie Daly about Pinecone, the Piedmont Council of Traditional Music, about its mission to preserve, present, and promote all forms of traditional music, dance, and other folk performing arts. To learn more, visit www.pinecone.org. Bluegrass Stories is hosted on SoundCloud.com and can be streamed on SoundCloud. Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and katydaily.com. As always, thanks for listening to Bluegrass Stories. Bluegrass Stories.